thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for that. If we get to see you again, that this all ends well for the believer. And we love you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. We need to give our team a hand because they worked really hard on this. I was thinking about hand sanitizer. I don't know why. There's only five bottles up here. Um, And my wife gets the pretty stuff. It's like, I'm okay with the Germex, but she has to go to Bed Bath and way beyond. Um, (laughs) Actually, Bath and Body Works, so I'm wrong. Um, And get the pretty stuff. But it it says on it, kills 99.9% of germs. Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus doesn't just kill 99.9% of our sin? Amen. It's 100% the moment you ask, you're forgiven. And uh, if you never ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, tonight would be a great night to do that. Amen. And a couple notes. Um, next year, hopefully next year, uh, if you didn't know this, we have our building paid off. I also have my, uh, <laughs> and my Bible, my Bible was upside down. Um, my, my daughter bought me a new Bible cover because the free one that I've been using for years, the zipper didn't work. And she finally got one, I think, for my birthday or something. But uh, anyway, now I can't tell what's up and what's down because of where the pocket's at. I'll get there, though. Uh, but anyhow, we were uh, meeting with, with the builder. And again, we, with this paid off, we have a pretty good uh, down payment on the new building facility out there. So I'm excited about that. So maybe next year, we can be six feet apart in the new building. Maybe next year we won't have to be. Praise God. I can hug everybody, give you a kiss on the cheek, and uh, you won't worry about anything. But uh, tonight, I'm going to share just a devotion, and I'm going to have Pastor Stevie come up um, toward the end and share some thoughts and uh, close it out and pray over us. We will be out by 7, I promise you that. And if we're not, it's his fault. Amen. Um, but anyhow, and I just I want to read to you the, the Christmas story, uh, the one that my dad reads to us. Um, we have some traditions in our home, um, in our, our family, that my dad would sit down and read to us uh, before we open up presents. And tonight, I thought, you know, I want, to, I want to experience the presence before we open the presents. Amen. The presence of God. And that, that is the best gift that there is, is the presence of God in this place. So uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20, I'm going to read the story about the birth of Jesus being foretold. And, and if you're a note taker, which I hope you are, um, the title of this message is The Position Had a Purpose Because Your Life Has a Purpose. And tonight, if you're struggling with purpose, um, I'm not just going to read the Christmas story and let you go home. My goal is to, to give you some hope because I know for a lot of you, uh, the time these kind of seasons can be rough. And, and some of you are going through some stuff and you're like, yeah, it's Christmas, but man, I'm just not feeling the Christmas spirit, you know. Uh, and, and I want to just leave you with some hope um, that, that God knows what he's doing with your life. I mean, he really does. Even in your rebellion, God can use that to bring you back to him. Amen? And that's a, that's a good thing. So the position had a verse. So let's read this Luke chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. And uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read like a section of verses, and then we'll talk about some of the ideas there. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, um, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. So we talked about that Sunday um, where, where Mary was going to get pregnant without a man. I mean, it was like going to be this miraculous thing. Um, so this coming Sunday, we're going to talk about what that was like for her emotionally. Just the, you know, the excitement of a girl that has for her wedding, and all of a sudden, there's no wedding. It's like shotgun marriage, and you know, everybody's going to get shunned, um, and how God did something with that. So they make their way 
ninth month of pregnancy, and then this guy has an idea. His name was Caesar Augustus in chapter 2. In those days, the crazy Caesar Augustus with a terrible idea for a pregnant woman, nine months, to have to travel from Cuna to Twin Falls on a donkey. That's about the distance. It was 80 to 100 miles. Um, So I I wanted to give you perspective here. Um, When you're nine months pregnant, you don't want to go to the store. Or walk to the kitchen, right? It's like, honey, can you give me whatever it is that I'm craving right now? And, and Caesar has this crazy idea to take a census. Like, we can understand if he's giving out bonus checks, right? But he's, he's, he wants to take a census. He just wants to count people. Um, and so he decides that there's a decree. There's a census to be taken. Uh, and you have to do it, okay? It should be taken of the whole Roman world. Um, and this was the first census that took place since Quirinius, the governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And again, when, when they went to this place, they would be rejected. Why? Because they thought she was immoral. Okay? And we're going to talk about how sometimes we get rejected over even obeying God. So Caesar has this dumb idea. Um, I, and I think in Mary's mind, it was a dumb idea. How many of you know that she wasn't, I mean, she was godly, but she probably wasn't that godly? Like... What? You want to be, Joseph, can you just go by yourself? He's like, no, because they can't count you. You have to do it. And and I'm thinking as a woman, Mary wasn't sinless, but she had to go. This is not convenient for me. Like, I really don't want to get on a donkey and go to Twin Falls from Cuna across the desert. But the point is, is that to get to where God wants you to go, you have to start somewhere. Okay. From where you are to where God wants you to be is a process. And it's not always going to make sense. Okay. Let me ask you a question. If Mary was given a choice on how this all looked, how much different would it look? It would look way different, right? Like this whole pregnancy thing, like you get to be the, the, the carrier of the Son of God. That was like a glorious thing. And then it's like, well, but, but people are thinking you got pregnant outside of marriage, so you're going to get shunned your whole life. Okay, we're going to talk more about that on Sunday. Of just her emotional state of going, okay, I, not only am I pregnant, now i got to travel. And this is crazy. But it doesn't say she, I think she was just a good woman. She said, okay, Joseph, whatever you say. Ladies, the next time you want to impress your husband and shock him, just say, whatever you say, honey. Right? And there's a laughter because you know there's something to that. So God uses natural circumstances to accomplish a spiritual purpose. You see, Bethlehem was where the Messiah would be born, and that was a prophecy. So we look at a, a decision that a guy named Caesar made. Okay? He issued a decree that a census should be taken. Was it Caesar's idea really to take a census? Or do you think God put the idea in his mind to get somebody that lives in Nazareth to go back to their hometown because the prophecy said the the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. You see how God used a man who thought he had a great idea that was actually a God idea? So next time your boss makes a decision you you don't like or disagree with, you might have to think, you know what, he could be hearing God. He could be hearing God. He might not be hearing God either, but, but he could be, okay? But he could be. God uses natural circumstances to accomplish a spiritual purpose. Right, verse six, Joseph did not call ahead to reserve an Airbnb or a hotel room. Okay. I think they're probably going, and Joseph's like, I got family. Everything's cool. Mary, everything's cool. You sure you got a place to stay? Yeah, I got the confirmation. Somehow, no text back then, but, but, but I think I saw a star that said something about your reservation is confirmed. Um, and, and that didn't happen. So they, they start on this journey. I don't know how long it took them, probably quite a while, probably several days. 
And they started going there on a donkey. And, and when they got there, they, the time came for the baby to be born. And she was to, she was to give birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger. And then it tells you because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, again, in this culture, okay, they were very welcoming to travelers. Very welcoming. I mean, you read throughout the Bible where people travel to a town. People say, hey, why don't you come stay at my house? They didn't know who they were. Um, and and that, was a, that was what it was. But also, as Pastor Stevie mentioned in his message a couple of weeks ago, that, that this is Joseph's family town. Like, he had relatives there. And when relatives show up, aren't you supposed to bring them in? I mean, if anybody was going to accept somebody, it should have been his relatives. So even, even the relatives were like, no, we don't want you. There's rejection here. We don't, we don't want you. We don't have any room. Sorry, it's booked. Okay, then they go to the, the inn, and the inn says, sorry, we're booked. We, we, and, and Mary's going, seriously, Joseph? You can't tell me that she's like, oh, this is all going to work out. This is great, right? We, 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 I mean, she was a great woman, but she was still a woman. You ever seen a woman in the nine months of pregnancy? I have three times. Three times. <laughs> I've said three times, right? It was traumatic for me. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's not convenient. Emotions are kind of crazy, and, and it's not comfortable. And so there's no room in the inn, and Joseph's like, what are we going to do? And they find this little shepherd place, and, and the baby's born, and, and it's just dirty, and it's crazy, okay? There was no room. What are my thoughts here? My thoughts are this. The culture, again, was welcome to travelers, but not to Mary. There was not... Let me start over again. The room wasn't just an occupancy thing. It was a rejection thing. Not having room in Bethlehem was not an occupancy issue. It was a rejection issue. Because the family should have brought her in, but they didn't. She was disgraced. And my question for you is, there are times, maybe right now, that you feel rejected by people that should be loving, by people that should be opening their hearts to you and their doors. You see, humans have a hard time with being rejected, okay? So we often do things to try and fit in, but I want to tell you something. God has not called you to fit in. He has called you to stand out. He's not called you to fit in. Mary was in a predicament just because she was obedient. She was willing to do this, but you know it had to hurt. You know she had to, to think, your family is not accepting us because they think I messed around. As much as we told them that's not what happened, God did it, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you say God did it because that's not how it works. But she, she got rejected. So what was she going through emotionally? See, one thing we tend to do is judge someone's behavior when we don't truly understand the situation. But I want to tell you something. Though there was no room in the end here. God always has room for those who want to serve him. So if you're here tonight and you think, man, God, I'm so, I did so much stuff. How could God love me? Okay, God is not a hand sanitizer. Okay, it's not 99.9% of people get accepted. It's, it's 100% of people that get accepted who accept him and the gift that he was to us. But the thing is, is God doesn't force you. Okay, there's no hotel that I know of that forces you off the freeway and into a room. That would be really weird. Right? When you're driving down I-84 and all of a sudden there's cops that, that make you and they go and you have to go to the hotel. Okay, to, to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to accept him. Not just acknowledge him. It's different. It's different. Things. See, the devil knows that Jesus died on a cross, right? And the devil knows why. So just because you know he died on a cross and know why he did it doesn't mean you're going to heaven. We have to ask him into our lives. We have to ask him to forgive us. Isn't it great that there's no waiting period on forgiveness? The moment you ask is the moment that you're forgiven. That's a great thing. And I wish in our marriages and relationships we were that easy as well. So God appears here, verse 8, 
to the lowest of people. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. I want to tell you a little bit about shepherds. Shepherds were the lowest of the lowest of society. Shepherds could not testify in court. Nobody would believe them. They, they were not allowed to testify in court. If they saw a crime, they couldn't testify. Uh, shepherds were not allowed to vote. Okay? They were the lowest of the low. And why is that so important? Well, let me tell you. There were shepherds in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, hey, don't be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. God appeals, appears to the lowest people on the food chain of society. And this is a beautiful thing. Why is it so beautiful? Because in our lives, we don't have to get cleaned up to come to God. We come to God, then we get cleaned up. But isn't it beautiful that, that God announced himself to the people who were rejected the most? Here he's using Mary who suffers rejection, through her whole life suffered rejection. She was, she was known as the one with a little history. Okay? She was known as the one that got pregnant and blamed it on God. Now God's showing up to the, the shepherds, the lowest of the low, the ones that were rejected by everybody else. And he goes to them first. I mean, in our minds, God should have talked to the religious people, right? The godliest people should have known first. But that's not how God works. Why is this so exciting? It's exciting for me because God will appear to you at your lowest point. At the point where you feel rejected, that's that, you're the one that God sees. You're the one that God notices. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. God sees you. He sees you. He sees what you're going through, and he sees you, and he's there. The Bible says that the brokenhearted is who he notices. It says the bruised reed. It's talking about reeds in, a, in a, like a lake. If it's bruised and it's about to fall over, it says he won't break that. He'll, 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 he'll protect it. He'll keep it up. It says a, a smoldering wick he won't snuff out like a candle that's just about to go out. He doesn't go, you're out anyway. No, it says that God will, will love on you. So if you're broken, if you're hurting, you're the one that God is looking at tonight. And 12 through 14 says he'll be born in a manger. Now, um, I was talking to Wendy. I said the picture on, of, of the manger is incorrect doctrinally. So if you believe that, that Jesus was born in a wooden thing, you'll probably go to hell. Um, that's why you have to... <laughs> that's why, no, it was actually... It, the study showed it was actually a feeding trough, like probably a rock feeding trough, okay? So we've messed it up through our whole lives, but it's okay. Um, I've built those things, so I probably was blaspheming when I built the manger scene for productions, but it was actually like a stone feeding trough. Okay? Why was that so significant? That, that's something that, that you wouldn't even think about. He said, here's the sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in clothes and in a feeding trough. Okay, let me make this real. You go to Hong Kong buffet. You're just getting food and you get to the part and there's a live baby smiling at you. <laughs> what is this? It's a kid. That's why it was going to be a sign. That's going to be something that you don't see very often. Okay. So the, the next time you go to buffet, you're going to be like, where's the baby? Um, that would be creepy. Well, stone feeding trough. So the angels talk to the shepherds. Verses 15 through 20 says this. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into, heaven, or gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they saw him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured these things up in her heart and pondered them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard, had heard and seen, and they were just as they had been told. What's the point of this part of the, of the story? Number one, they were given information. And the Messiah has been born. But what they did with the information is what was important because information alone doesn't do anything for you. It's what you do with it. So tonight, you need to understand that, that Jesus died for your sins. The question is, what are you going to do with that? Now, most of us have accepted him as our Savior. But if, if you haven't, tonight would be a great night to do that. To simply say, Jesus, I've, I've sinned against you, and I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. See, he is the Savior, but to be your Savior, you have to ask him. Well, I was raised in America. I'm a Christian. No, I was in the garage today. I'm not a car. Right? Just because you're in the garage doesn't make you a car. You have to ask him to be your Savior. You have to ask him that question. So all the, all the Jews knew about the coming of the Messiah. Okay, they, they viewed him as a conquering king. Like they, all through the Bible, the Messiah is going to come and conquer. He's going to conquer, 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 conquer. And they had their idea of what it would look like. You see, kings were born in palaces, not mangers. Kings were born in palaces, not mangers. The Redeemer, and this is where I want to close here before Pastor Stevie comes up. The Redeemer was disguised in rejection. He was disguised in rejection. Mary rejected shepherds rejected. And that's who the Messiah was revealed to. So tonight, if you feel like rejected by people, you need to understand that God has not rejected you. Amen. God has not rejected you. So in what you see as rejection, God may have a reason. What you see as rejection, God may have a reason. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to have Pastor Stevie come up and share some final thoughts with us. I did pretty good. You got you so good, Pastor. You, got, you, you got, did so good. You got 10 minutes. <laughs> you can leave it right there. I'm going to use my phone All for right. this. Uh, I'm so appreciative of, of this year, uh, 2020. It's almost over. We're getting there. It's like a one more week, man. It's like, let's go. But no, really, this, this year, let's, let's think for just one second, because we're in a series right now um, called Grateful. And Pastor Dan's going to wrap it up this Sunday, and shameless plug, I have the microphone, you don't. So... This Sunday, I'm going to invite you back to church. Maybe you're here and you haven't been in a while. Uh, maybe you just saw an ad or maybe you, someone invited you. I, I want to take time just for a moment and just invite you back to Sunday. Because you can never have too much Jesus, especially in a year of 2020. And so I want to take time real quick. And Pastor Dan didn't ask me to do that. I, I just think it's so vital, it's so important to be around people who believe the same, who think the same, and who have a goal. You know, there's something to work for here. And I, I know 2020 kind of had its ups and its downs, um, but it's not over. And I think we can still end this year on a high. I, I think we still have the opportunity because while there is still hope, there is hope. And, and I look at that and I go, you know what, man? I'm grateful that this year I got more time with my wife and my kids than ever before. I had to teach my kids kindergarten and first grade. That was stressful, Right? Oh my gosh, right? I know two plus two equals four, but just come on, Riker, believe me, right? Like, it's difficult. It, the struggle's real, I know. But I'm grateful for the moments that I had with my kids this year. I'm grateful for the moments where I watched God provide for us in a year of a pandemic, and yet still I had food on my table every night. I, I'm grateful today for the acceptance, like pastors talked about tonight, that you know what? 
If you would have known me at 17, you would say there is no reason for that man to be on stage right now. Why? Because every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And I'm so thankful that when God saw me, he said, I see a future. I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful in 2020 that I'm accepted by a shepherd, by a king who loves me. And so this might seem unconventional or completely out of the blue, but I wanted to take us to a scripture tonight. And I'm going to say it, and those of you who have been in church for a while, you're going to say, why in the world would you go to that scripture? Because it has nothing to do with Christmas, but it has everything to do with our shepherd. Psalms 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Isn't that true? Year 2020, lack all around us, pressure all around us, but no, I I have all that I need. We think we need more finances. We think we need that stimulus check to come through. We think we need uh, just happiness, or we think we need joy. No, we, we just need him. And in him, I find complete fulfillment. I find complete satisfaction. In him, I find fullness. It says this, he lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. I I love this portion right here because the Bible refers to you and I as sheep because he's our shepherd. And you know, if you lead a sheep to a stream that is too bubbly or too rocky, the sheep will actually be afraid to go and get water. But it says that in Psalms 23, he leads me beside the peaceful streams. He leads me to the place where I can be refreshed, where I can be nourished, where I can be taken care of, free of fear. And I think right now, that's exactly what we need. We need freedom from fear. It says he renews my strength and he guides me along right paths, but it's to bring honor to his name. It's all about him. It says this, probably my favorite portion of scripture. I say that about everything. Every sermon I say this is my favorite portion, but just, it is. Verse four, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. I don't know who this is for tonight, but I'm gonna tell you right now that a shadow cannot hurt you. The shadow of a lion cannot bite you. The shadow of a brick cannot hurt you. It cannot break you. A shadow is completely powerless. The only thing that it does is bring darkness. But we have the light of the world. So in the darkest of shadows, in the darkest of moments, I'm here to encourage you right now that you have a light that is so unexpressible, so unimaginable, so powerful that nothing can stand between you and what is in front of you because you have a light that is within you. It says this, you prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. I I love that part too. It's my favorite part. Because in in the moment of battle, what's the last thing on a soldier's mind? Meals. He's not thinking, man, that was some really good pizza. He's thinking, I need to use my sword and take down the one who's in front of me trying to kill me with his sword. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. In the middle of the battle, when you're surrounded by your enemy, I'm going to take care of you. Right now, I want you to sit down. You want supreme pizza? You want no olives? Right? Is that how you, is that how you, that's me. (laughs) No olives, please. hate that stuff. Right? Thank you. Thank you. Right? I just kind of think, like, why are there olives? Whatever. Right? But God says, man, in the middle of that, as your shepherd, man, we just sit down, we just relax and just have a meal. We just take care of what needs to be taken care of right now, and that's your nourishment so that you can face tomorrow. I love that. It says this that He honors me. He honors me by anointing my head with oil and obviously oil in 
in the Old Testament is representation of the Holy Spirit. And he says, man, I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit upon you. And in the New Testament, in John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, Jesus really does a great job explaining who the Holy Spirit is. And the key thing that keeps coming up is he's your comforter. I think in 2020, if there's ever a year that I needed comfort, it was now. And it says that he anoints my head with his Holy Spirit, meaning he anoints me with comfort. He washes over me. He protects me. He's with me. He's with you. In the, in the chaos of the 2020 that was for you, maybe you didn't have to teach your kid two plus two, but maybe you had some other difficulty. Maybe something else came up. Whatever it may have been, he was there, and he's here tonight, and he's saying, I'm going to cover you with comfort. He says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and your unfilling love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Anybody have, a, anybody have dogs? Yes, hands up everywhere. Yes. Anybody have cats? Stay away from those people. <laughs> but have you, have you noticed when you, when you get home, what, what does your dog do? Your dog goes crazy, right? Runs around, goes insane, and just follows you everywhere you go. I, I got a dog. Her name is Harley. I'm trying to get rid of her ever since we got her, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But everywhere I go throughout the house, she just follows me. And so I, I'm a night owl. I stay up late every night. And uh, Kristen, she loves to cuddle with our dog. And the moment I get up and I leave the room to go watch like Lord of the Rings or Gladiator or something totally manly, I don't know. The dog jumps up and runs out to me. And Kristen's in the room saying, no, Harley, come, Harley, come, Harley, come. But the dog does what? Stays with me. And when I read that, that's what I think of. His goodness and his unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. His mercy, his unfailing love, I take that as a dog. It's loyal. And it wants to chase me down. It wants to be with me. It wants to be around me. He wants to be surrounding me all the time. You see, as much as I'm thankful and grateful for my love that I've, that I've grown in, in with Jesus, he loves me so much more. And he is pursuing me. And I've been saved and I've been a follower of Jesus since April 1st, 2005. But he didn't give up on me. He wasn't like, okay, you're found, cool, you're good. No, ever since that day, he has been surrounding me and chasing me down just like a loyal dog that is faithful to its owner. He has been around you and chasing you down. And I'm telling you right now that there's a plan, that there's a reason that you're here tonight. Not a worldly reason of like horoscopes and things like that. No, I'm telling you, there's a reason you're here tonight because there's a God who has been pursuing you and chasing you down, saying, I'm with you. I'm here for you. 2020 has been crazy. I know, but it's okay. I am with you. I am Emmanuel. He's with us. And tonight, you're in this room. I want to give you that opportunity to say, here I am. Find me in your searching so if I could, real quick, just out of respect for everyone, even if you're all watching online, out of respect for everyone, can we just close our eyes real fast? And you're in this room and you say, you know what? That's me. Yeah, that, that's 100%. That's me. I need to say, God, I, I'm right here. Find me right now. And I want to give my life to you. You're in this room right now as we close. Would you just shoot your hand up for me real quick? Just raise your hand real fast. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I saw that. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for that hand in the back. I saw that. Thank you for that hand in the back. I see that. Thank you for that hand. 
Hands are going up everywhere. See, I find it no coincidence that you're here tonight. I think your shepherd led you here. And what I'm gonna ask is that if everyone could just repeat this prayer after me, this prayer doesn't get you saved. I'm just kind of showing you an example of how to pray. But it's the words of this prayer that say, Jesus, I'm, I'm asking for your forgiveness. And that's when you confess him and you believe, that's the moment you're saved. Just repeat this after me. Say, Father in heaven, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I accept the sacrifice that Jesus made. A baby was born who grew up to die for me. And tonight, I receive the gift of salvation by receiving the forgiveness of my sins as I confess that Jesus is Lord over my life. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give everyone who rose their hands a round of applause? How awesome, amazing, God is so good. If you made that decision, we, we wanna celebrate with you. If you don't mind, find someone that you saw on, on the platform tonight, or if you know someone in this church who is a staff member, come in and just tell them. Just say, hey, I made that decision tonight. We wanna celebrate with you. We didn't make you join a church tonight. We didn't do anything like that. We just wanted to celebrate and say congratulations on the best decision you ever made. That is why the Christmas story is so amazing. Amen. Well, 702, but people got saved, so I think it's okay, Pastor. But hey, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful, wonderful day tomorrow, and we'll see you on Sunday. God bless you. Merry Christmas.